You know that excitement you feel when you're watching a hockey game and players drop the gloves? Two grown men squaring up face-to-face and throwing hands like men. They don't throw cheap shots. It isn't about malice or intention to harm the other player. They fight, but there's limits to it. They fight the way a man is supposed to fight. It's the exact same kind of excitement that the UFC has built an MMA empire around. It's why the UFC is successful. It's why Tim Anderson and Jose Ramirez fighting each other during this most recent baseball season was a highlight worth rewatching. I have nothing against these types of fights, but there comes a point when we see athletes start to be malicious towards one another, and now it's not fun and games anymore. We saw recently in an English hockey game, Adam Johnson was killed by Matt Petgrave in a kick that was obviously intended to harm. There's no other reason to raise your foot towards someone in that manner while a sharp metal blade is attached to it unless you are deliberately trying to harm them or even kill them as Petgrave did. Thankfully, it looks like the law will have its way in the UK and Petgrave will no longer be on the ice risking the lives of other players. Another example of recent unwarranted malice in pro sports, just the other night, we saw yet another example of Draymond Green acting maliciously violent toward another player, where he ran into a scuffle between Jaden McDaniels and Clay Thompson. He should have had no interaction with this scuffle at all. Rudy Gobert tried to break up the altercation between McDaniels and Thompson, which is where Green charged in and held Gobert in a chokehold and headlock. He unnecessarily attacked a player who was attempting to stop the altercation in a manner that was dangerous. The result, a five-game suspension. The worst of it is that Green's behavior is always a cheap shot of some kind. The prior example would be in last season's playoffs when he stomped on the Sacramento Kings' DeMontis Sabonis while Sabonis was on the ground. If I could tell Draymond Green anything, I'd tell him this. You don't have the stones to face any player like a man face-to-face, and fight honestly. All you do is attack men who are down like Sabonis or attack from behind as you did with Gobert. Every altercation you involve yourself in, you are the bad guy. You are the NBA's fakest tough guy, and you disgrace every court you step on when you play like that. I'm Matt Menson. Welcome to the Cornfield Sports Pod. Blake, as always, is here to co-host. What a speech, man. Honestly, five-game suspension just feels so soft right there. I've, I've had enough of this from Draymond Green. Like, I, at this point, like, I, I don't know what the NBA's rules are for, like, I don't know, if you can expel someone from the league or something like this. But Draymond Green has a very routine habit of just acting nasty towards players with the obvious intent to harm. I mean, the Sabonis thing from last year's playoffs – I mean, that's you run the risk of do, when you do something like that. You run the risk of you know breaking their ribs and uh, puncturing a lung. Mm. That's you, you cannot do that. And what what he's doing is well beyond the grounds of any kind of you know face to face fighting that we see in in other sports that you know actually charges people up. No, he had the chance to do the right thing and did the complete opposite. Yeah, no, that was definitely the opposite. He never should have involved himself in this altercation. Um, and the the officials know to watch out for Draymond Green because, you know, he does this. That's why the NBA was quick to suspend him when the other players involved only got uh, $25,000 fines. But, come on, at this point, even a five-game suspension just feels like it's not 
doing the job. He's been suspended before. That's like that's like getting a slap on the wrist. Yeah, that's exactly what it is, is a slap on the wrist. I mean, he, he they need to be punishing him a lot harsh, more harshly. Or, I mean, even kicking him out of the league at this point. I'm tired of seeing him attacking players who are down, attacking players from behind. It's disgusting. It's now, vile. Now, what you said before about, like, oh, dropping the gloves in the hockey fight, that – that is entertaining. I usually look forward to to watching those. I got nothing against that because they're facing each other like men. They're squaring up. There's no cheap shots. They're doing it. You know, maybe some people are going to contest with my use of the word, but I'm going to say it honorably. They're fighting honorably. Mm-hmm. And Draymond Green refuses to do that. He only fights dirty. And that's you don't do that. You just don't. And he's a bad example for, you know, Kids to be idolizing as, you know, Warriors fans are watching their games or, you know, whichever team's uh, fans are watching, you know, them as they play against the Warriors. Draymond Green is someone that we should not be, you know, putting on a TV as some kind of hero for kids to look up to. He's a villain. He's he's the bad guy. So I've had enough of Draymond Green. NBA, just kick him out already. Um, let's get to some actual sports. Since we're talking about the NBA already, let's go right to that. Um, the Timberwolves did end up winning that game uh, against Golden State. It was 104 to 101. Um, I do believe that that was an in that was an in season tournament game. I believe. Um, yeah, it was yeah. because because of the court. Yeah, yeah, it was it was in season tournament. Um, the the Timberwolves have done good prior to that game. They had played Golden State actually back to back. That had a standard regular season game against them uh, in their previous game, which they'd also won, and they won against the Spurs uh, in San Antonio for that in season tournament. So they're they're positioning themselves well for the uh, in season tournament. They're leading uh, Group C right now in the Western Conference. Looks like their scoring is getting a little bit better too. Uh, you know, 117, 116, 104. That was a low-scoring win that they got against in that second game against Golden State with all the uh, ejections. And then they scored 115 points in their loss uh, at the Suns. Now they allowed Phoenix to score 133 points somehow. That's uh, that's a little wild considering Phoenix isn't that great of a team, but you know, it is what it is. Um. And upcoming in this next week here, they're going to be at the uh, Pelicans, Knicks, and Sixers. Blake, what's your part in the Bucks? Poor in the Bucks. Uh, had had a couple wins against the Bulls and the Raptors. Poor Matt's Bulls. Yeah, we'll get to them in a second. Mm. One loss against the Magic. Uh, cur- currently sitting at second in the Eastern Conference Group B. Right now, they got uh, upcoming games at the Hornets. That'll be the in-season tournament. Uh, they'll go up against the Mavericks, and then they'll travel to Wizards and the Celtics. Yeah, they're uh, they're positioning themselves at kind of an interesting spot right now in terms of not only the in-season tournament, but just overall because they're losing games that don't make a whole lot of sense for them to be losing, but mm-hmm. they're also winning games that it doesn't make a whole lot of sense for them to be winning either. Their offense has not generally struggled to put up a whole lot of points, with the exception of that loss at the Magic where they didn't even crack 100. But 
aside from that, they've generally been pretty consistently decent on offense. Uh, their defense is still demonstrating a need for some work, though, in order to consistently win. Um, and as I said with the Bulls, they did have that loss against the Bucks, and we'll talk about that a little bit because, man, the Bulls, you keep things close until the end, and then you blow it. That's exactly what they did. Um, they did win against the Pistons, which everybody wins against the Pistons, so I'm not going to make something out of nothing there. Uh, they did lose uh, at – sorry, they, lo- they lost at home against the Magic, 96-94. Real close game. Not a lot – well, I shouldn't say not a lot of scoring because, you know, it's the NBA and there's a lot of scoring, but it's significantly less scoring than uh, usual. Um, there's been some – the Zach Levine trade rumor mills back up. So we'll see what ends up happening with that. In the past, when that's happened, he has explicitly denied uh, the possibility of getting traded every time the rumor mills swirled up before. And this time he hasn't. So we'll, we'll see what ends up happening in terms of that. I, I don't know what the Bulls would be looking for in return right now because – Levine is about the only thing they have. I guess you could maybe say DeMar DeRozan, too, that looks like they could be a star, like they have that kind of star power to to carry a team on their back. But right now the Bulls are just lacking, and I don't really know what you're looking for, what you try to get in return for Zach Levine, because he's not going to be a star power guy on another team either, which is a further problem. And upcoming here, they've got games versus the Magic again, which is going to be an in-season tournament game, uh, home against the Heat, and then at Oklahoma City. Um, Blake, let's go to the NFL real quick. Yeah, sure thing. Um, The Minnesota Vikings had a win against the Saints, 27-19. I believe both of us missed this one on our spread cover – or our – spread picks last week because did we not uh both pick minnesota to cover or sorry uh uh new orleans to cover i know i picked new orleans to cover Mm. so i think i barely picked uh vikings to cover i'm not entirely sure okay so yeah for those of you listening you can go back and check us on that and then when you discover that i'm right and blake's wrong you can trash blake in the comments or something i don't know now, Alvin Kamara did not, in fact, cook the Vikings, as I had predicted. I thought he was going to cook them, and he didn't. And the Justin Jefferson-less win streak continues. Uh, it's also Kirk Cousins-less now. So, mm-hmm. for some reason, when the Vikings lose all of their stars, they win games. Mm-hmm. Uh, explain that one for me, Blake, because I, I got nothing. I mean, if it could happen to the 49ers, then... Okay, but the Vi- the the... The 49ers can't lose all their stars because every player on that roster is a star at this point. Hmm. The 49ers are basically an all-star team. So the Vikings right now do not have star power, though. So, yeah. No, I I don't have an explanation for that. They're winning by sheer force of God only knows. Um, But they'll be playing at the Broncos this week. The Broncos are 4-5. and The line's Denver minus two and a half right now. All I can say is is the Vikings better watch out. Their Broncos are hot right now. Well, so are the Vikings. 
But it's, un- it's more unusual to see the Broncos hot, like especially how people looked at them, like at the beginning. You mean like as the standard of bad? They've gotten out of the standard of bad. Yeah, no, it's Carolina now. It is Carolina is the standard of bad. Um, but yeah, Blake, who's winning? Who's covering? I think I think Broncos are going to fall short because because knowing that team, they can't they can't stay hot forever. Yeah, no, I I don't think Denver is going to even win again here. I'm with you there. They're not going to win, let alone cover. Mm-hmm. I think the. Den- I think Denver being favored in a game right now against the Vikings, even though, yes, Denver's improving, the Vikings right now are just too hot. Yep. And they are actually might be looking at giving Detroit a run for their money in the NFC North here yep. coming soon. And um, uh, the previous Buff- Buffalo speaking game. Speaking of the Lions, oh, go, go ahead, Blake. I was going to say with the previous Buffalo game that Denver, that Denver got really lucky that game. Like at the very oh, yeah, they did. Yeah, at they the very definitely end. got lucky. Mm-hmm. Um, anyway, uh, we were speaking of the Lions. Uh, they will be playing the Bears this week. That is the Bears game. The Bears had a Thursday night football game against Carolina, which is where we established that Carolina is, in fact, the standard of bad. That game was a battle of mid. Well, Carolina at this point is probably not good enough to be called mid. I've, like, you got to remember here, mid is short for middle, right? So if you're if you're like horribly horribly bad, you're not mid. You're not even good enough to be considered mid. Cuz you have to have some level of success to even get to mid. And Carolina doesn't have that. They've got one win on the year right now if I'm not mistaken. So, no, Carolina is the standard of bad. Um, but anyway, Detroit is favored against the Bears 7 and a half points. Blake, Detroit's easy. Detroit Detroit's Detroit's going to come on the Bears like easily. Bear, Bears are going to fall very short. It's the Bears. It's the Bears exactly. This game's at Ford Field. I like home field advantage for Detroit. Detroit by fourteen. <laughs> uh, Green Bay lost at the Steelers last week. They're uh, they're coming back. At, they're coming for Carolina. They're trying to get that standard of bad back. Um, they lost twenty three to nineteen. Uh, they were favored in that game, so we'll uh, we'll see what ends up happening with that with the Green Bay here coming soon. Uh, they're going to be against the Chargers this week, who are four and five. Uh, I believe I'd forgotten to mention Green Bay is three and six, so very similar records here against vastly different competition. You know, being NFC and AFC. Uh, the line is Los Angeles minus 3.0. Packers fall short because they're at home. It's Lambeau Field, though. Yeah, but still. I, I, I like Green Bay at Lambeau. I, I do, don't too. Think, I don't like Justin Herbert in the cold um, or really a lot of that Chargers team in the cold. They don't tend to play well when they play in northern places. Uh, so, yeah, I, I like – Green Bay, not only to cover, but to win. So that moves us on to this week's Monday night football game, the Kansas City Chiefs and the Philadelphia Eagles. The Chiefs are 7-2, and two, Eagles 8-1. and one. This is a big one. The, line, or the spread is Kansas City minus 2.5, and, and this one's a Super Bowl rematch. We've been waiting for this one for a long time. This mm-hmm. is a day that's been circled on the calendar. 
He, so, I mean, Matt did kind of force me to watch the Super Bowl with him and force me to root for the Chiefs. Imagine being forced to watch the Super Bowl. Imagine not watching it for the sheer and utter joy of watching the Super Bowl. I, I was not a big fan of, like, either team. Okay, the, but it's the Super Bowl. Okay, it's a national holiday. It should yes, be. it is a national holiday. It should be a national Yeah, it should holiday. be a national holiday. I don't know why it isn't. Like, we should have a, we should have a whole break. We should have, like, a whole, like, week long – or not, like, we, we should have, like, a two-week break for the World Series, in my opinion. <laughs> but, like, like, we, like, you know how, like, a lot of workplaces have, like, a Christmas break? We should have one of those for the World Series. Vinny's back there shaking his head at me like, no. Um, I'm, I'm, I'm serious, Vinny. World Series break. We need to be able to, like, have World Series watch parties that last for th- from the beginning of game one, first pitch, to the very end until that trophy is handed out. One massive party, and it would be amazing. Um, but I digress with the Super Bowl being a national holiday. Yeah, Super Bowl should be a national holiday. Fight me. Um, the only the only places that should be open that day are hospitals, grocery gas store, stations, grocery stores, gas stations, liquor stores, liquor stores. Yes. No, Vinny. The day after should not be a holiday. Super Bowl Sunday is a holiday. That's the, that's the way it should be. Super Bowl Sunday should be the holiday. Anyway, um, Blake, who's winning that game, and by how much? Sounds to me like Eagles might be up for revenge. I've taken I've taken Eagles by by a sheer field goal. This game is in Arrowhead Stadium. I love the Kansas City home crowd. They do their job. And of course I'm a Chiefs fan, so I can't pick the Eagles to win. Uh I like Kansas City not only to win, but to cover and cover big time. This Arrowhead crowd is going to be among the rowdiest we've ever seen in a Monday night football game. I like the Chiefs by 10. All right. Let's, uh, let's go to the NHL real quick. Uh, we'll, cover the rest of our, our, uh, we'll cover the rest of our pro sports, and then we'll get to Iowa State. Uh, Blake, the Minnesota Wild uh, in the last week had two losses at the Sabres and then at home against the Stars. Uh, that defense against the Stars was really, really bad. Dude. They allowed eight. They allowed eight goals in that eight game. Eight goals. That's terrible. It, it's atrocious. And this is a team that last year was basically renowned for their defense. You know, if someone, if you would have seen them score eight goals, you know, you would have thought the world was ending last year. But nope they uh, they allowed eight goals against the Stars, and believe it or not, we're still here. So, nah, they need to pull it together. Yeah, no, giving up eight goals is absolutely ridiculous. you got to figure out what's wrong with your defensive lines, why they're not getting stops on that. Uh, there's there's some problems that need to be diagnosed with that. And they need to do it quick because they've got games against uh, – sorry, they've got games at the Senators, not against – or they, they're playing against the Senators, but it's at the Senators. It's in Ottawa. And then at home against the Maple Leafs. Um, Chicago Blackhawks? I got the Blackhawks. Two losses against the Panthers and the Lightning. Uh, they got they got upcoming games against Predators, Sabers, and the Blue Jackets. Uh, yes, they'll be at home for the Sabers and away for the other two. Yeah, 
the Blackhawks, they need to figure their stuff out. I mean, their record is not the worst in the NHL right now. That would be the Sharks. The Sharks have a lot of problem solving that they need to do. But the Blackhawks, Connor Bedard was not your savior. Is he a good player? Yeah, he's a good player, but he still needs a team. Because Connor Bedard versus entire teams doesn't work. You're going to lose. You're going to keep losing. You need to get more talent. And you're going to have to figure out something to do. You're going to have to trade some draft picks or something to bring some talent in to get other players that can do good things and be great support around Bedard if you want to actually build a franchise around him. Because part of building a franchise around a player is the building part. You can't just have the foundation. Bedard can be your foundation, but you need more than that. Um, the St. Louis Blues in this last week, they had two wins. Uh, one was at the Avalanche where the Blues put up eight points. Great stuff to see from the Blues there. Offense was just on fire. Um, then they also had a win versus the Lightning where they shut them out 5-0. Great, it was a great offensive week for the Blues, at least for those two games. And then they lost to the Sharks 1-5. to So the way this year's going, yeah, we'll, we'll see what ends up happening. It, hockey's a random sport, but yeah. Um, yeah, no, you got to score more than one goal against the Sharks this year. And if the random game excuse is all you've got, then you need to figure some stuff out um upcoming they will be at the los angeles kings at the anaheim ducks and at the arizona coyotes they're going to be going to the american southwest for a little road trip here blake it's time to talk some baseball again Mm -hmm. matt's got all the postseason the cy youngs have been named the manager of the year voting's been done and we got some uh some trades already getting going here um, we'll start with the Minnesota Twins. I love my Twins. Of course, i got to start with them. Uh, Sonny Gray was a Cy Young finalist. He was second in the voting at 104 votes. He lost only to Garrett Cole. And then Twins right-hander Pablo Lopez also earned an 11-vote tally. Uh, Rocco Baldelli was fourth in the AL Manager of the Year voting. It's nice to see. Rocco Baldelli's been doing a great job. We want to see that continue. Uh, Edward Julian earned two AL Rookie of the Year votes. Eddie Julian was great when he was with the team and he wasn't playing AAA. And had he been playing the full year, he probably would have been significantly higher in the Rookie of the Year votes. Uh, Same could be said for Royce Lewis had he not been injured. Royce Lewis didn't earn any votes, but both of them did play phenomenal rookie years. And as long as they can both stay healthy and stay active next year, it's going to be a nice boost for Minnesota. And as far as entering free agency goes with the Twins, Sonny Gray turned down his qualifying offer and is now entering free agency. Uh, For the Chicago White Sox, Aaron Bummer was traded to the Atlanta Braves in return for a lot. Uh, They got right-handed pitcher Michael Soroka, left-handed pitcher Jared Schuster, shortstop Braden Schumacher, Infielden, Nicky Lopez, and right-handed pitcher prospect Riley Gowans, all for an aging reliever. Um, 
yeah, this is good stuff for the White Sox. They should stand to improve a lot from this because, honestly, I they didn't really need Bummer anymore anyway. He is getting older. He's getting washed. And they're getting a lot of new stuff from this that could be pretty good. Um, the Milwaukee Brewers, uh, Corbin Burns did receive some Cy Young voting. He was the lowest among those receiving votes. Uh, he got 13 votes for the Cy Young uh, for the NL. Uh, for the Cubs, we got some action here. Cody Bellinger turned down his qualifying offer and is entering free agency. Justin Steele uh, was fifth in the Cy Young voting with 32 votes. There's a lot of talent in the NL Cy Young, though. There, like, that really could have went a lot of different ways. I mean, I think it was pretty much guaranteed that Blake Snell was going to win it with his uh, ERA that was, like, close to two. But when you start looking at, you know, Zach Gallen, Spencer Strider, Zach Wheeler, Bryce Elder, there was a lot of good options there to uh, distribute some of those, your, your top five voting to. And that's just kind of the way it shook down uh, was with Justin Steele uh, being fifth in the Cy Young voting. And uh, their new manager, Craig Council, was second in the NL Manager of the Year voting. Uh, their former manager, David Ross, uh, well, he was the lowest among those receiving votes, but nonetheless, he did receive some votes. And then Shohei Otani turned down his qualifying offer as well, and the Cubs have been listed as one of the more likely target destinations. Uh, can the Cubs land Shohei Otani? If they do, they're winning World Series. I'm not going that far <laughs> yet. So that's that's going to take a pretty big chunk of the budget for the Cubs to land Shohei Otani, and he's not pitching next year because he's still got to recover from uh, his Tommy John surgery. But he will be he will be batting next year, and he's a big bat. The Cubs could use a big bat, especially when you're uh, risking losing Cody Bellinger. So that uh, Shohei would be a great uh, landing spot. Uh, or sorry, uh, Chicago would be a great landing spot for Shohei. Um, he they've got the money to pay him, so uh, he'll be the Cubs will be up there amongst teams such as the Giants, Dodgers, and the Mets, looking for a big bat and some pitching talent for a few years. All righty, let's uh, let's finally dig into some Iowa State sports here. Yes, sir. Uh, football had a dominant win versus BYU, Blake. They they were dominant. Bro, I fell asleep. You fell asleep? You fell asleep during the game? Yes, at halftime. I, I pretty much says, I pretty much crashed around halftime. I said, eh, we got this. Turned off. What a disloyal fan. Man. You got to stay up, at least until the final score has been hit, which is exactly what I did. Yeah, I'm sorry. Um, but, uh, yeah. Their, their fan base was great, though. Bro, their fan base was awesome. It's like you just see all over Twitter. It's like, oh, the visiting section got brownies and ice cream. Their their fans are like, like even their Twitter burners are just nice. Yeah, and and everything that I've heard, they played our fight song for the marching band. Uh, their, their home crowd cheered on our players going into halftime. Well, it's hard to cheer on their own players for how badly they were playing. Oh, yeah. But yeah. yeah, the only reason they got mad at us was was like uh like they were getting mad at the officials. Yeah, and one of the calls that the officials missed there that face mask that was mm-hmm. the one they got real up in arms about. And to be honest, they were exactly right. That was a 
pretty egregious face mask call that was missed. Uh, would it have changed the outcome of the game? Uh, no. No, it would not have. Um, there was definitely not enough for that to outcome for that for that to change the outcome. The margin of victory was way too big. Um Rocco Rocco threw for 203 yards. So and there's some real talk about him potentially being uh college football's freshman of the year. I mean, he is, he's he is very much qualified. He's leading freshman quarterbacks and or like he's leading or up there among the leaders in essentially every category. So he's he's nah. doing real great. No, nah, he is very deserving. And then tomorrow we will have our final game in forever against Texas. I want the eternal scoreboard. I want it badly. It's a night game in November at Jack Trice. This is everything that we against wanted. A te- against a team from Texas. I wish it was going to be a little bit colder just to make them a little bit more uncomfortable as if they weren't already going to be uncomfortable enough. Uh, Texas doesn't fare well here. They lost four of the last five in Jack Trice. Blake, I I, I don't see – I mean, the, the media's been running upset alert all over this game. So Texas knows, like, they're, they're not going to be looking us over, especially considering that we um, are tied for second in the Big 12 right now as well. This isn't, you know, uh, this isn't the kind of game that you look over. No. But uh, this, there's a reason that the media is running upset alert all over this game. There's a very, very real chance of upsetting in this game. Mm-hmm. And uh, one, we need to look at uh, keys to victory for this game. Uh, keep Texas from getting the pass game going. Quinn Ewers is back. And... Adonai Mitchell and Xavier Worthy are great wide receivers. You keep them shut down. You know, you keep Jeremiah Cooper and TJ Tampa plastered to them, and you will fare pretty well. Uh, Slow the game down. Texas likes to run scores high. They've only had one game so far this year where they did not score 30 points, and in that game where they didn't score 30 points, they scored 29. So... Slow the game down, um, and then what do you got on here for your key to victory? Do not establish the run game. Just keep that ball in the air because we've, we've proven to be dominant, like, like in passing yards, over, like over try, trying to get these petty first downs. I'm actually going to disagree with you on this one. I think that our run game over the course of the last few games actually has been a little bit more established. There, there are offensive lines finally gotten its footing, and our running backs are getting a little bit more comfortable now too. Um, and if we're going to slow this game down and play it at a tempo that Texas is uncomfortable with, we're going to need the run game for that. That's the only way I think that we can beat Texas is we have to make them play at an uncomfortable pace as well. Yeah. You have to make them play slow, and you don't play slow when you're passing the ball. Uh, the spread is Texas minus 7.5. Uh I think Iowa State covers that for sure. They at least make the game close. I think Iowa State's going to pull off the upset naturally. Of course, I'm biased. But, I mean, Blake, is your opinion any different here? Yes. Uh-oh. I feel like all the hype around the media is is just going to go downhill by, like, by, by towards the end of the game. And, and I, think, I think Texas will, will get the last laugh. 
I just I just think so. Nope. We're gonna get the eternal scoreboard. But uh, this, but you you have to agree that this night game is everything that we want. Final score prediction is going to be Iowa State thirty three, Texas twenty eight. That's that's my final score prediction. That's fair enough. Uh horns down. Blake, your final score prediction? Final score, Texas thirty. Iowa State twenty one. No, you did not just say that. You did not just say that. I'm I'm bleeping that out when I edit this. Um let's move on to volleyball. We split the series with Kansas. Both games went to five sets. That Friday game was one of the most entertaining volleyball games I've ever watched. Both of them were actually among the more entertaining mm-hmm. games I've ever watched, but of course, naturally the Friday night game was more entertaining because we actually won that one. But if there's anything more exciting than the game itself, it had to have been Nayeli Gonzalez's performance in that one. 31 kills. That's nuts, dude. And she's she's now up to four Big 12 rookie of the weeks. And the other day, the other day uh on Monday, I asked if she, if she would get another one. And she, and, and, she's, was, and she's like yeah, and it was awarded on Tuesday, yeah. Yep, and she's like, "I don't know, I hope so." Literally yeah. literally in the, the next day. Yeah, hope so. That one's a no-brainer. Um, yeah, no. Big 12, just declare your rookie of the year already. It's it's over. We already know exactly who it's going to be. Uh, Nayeli is running away with this. Um, we had a Wednesday night game at Texas. We had, um, the, we had the watch party at my place because I'm one of the three people on campus that gets the Longhorn Network. We're the three people in this universe that gets Longhorn Network. And I'm not going to miss that at all. Good riddance. I don't even know how I even get it in the first place. So Nobody like, knows how you get it. I need, I, need to go to my, I need to go to my hometown cable provider. I'm like, how are we getting this? Nobody knows how your cable provider gets it either. Nobody knows how anybody gets Longhorn Network. No one wants it. Okay, fine. It just shows up like a parasite on random people's <laughs> cable platforms. Exactly. I'm going home on Tuesday. I'm going, I'm going to ask them, why are we still getting this? No, no one wants it, and thank goodness it's going to disappear as soon as Texas joins the SEC. ESPN, yeah, they're, they're going to get – Longhorn Network is going to be shut down. The rest of the SEC absolutely will not let that fly. Um, so, yeah, good riddance to Longhorn Network, good riddance to Texas. Uh, I'm ready to not have to deal with you guys again because you're a bunch of rich snobs. Um, we play Houston tonight, if I'm not mistaken. Um, they only allow a 169 hitting percentage, second in the Big 12, uh, and they're ninth in the Big 12 in blocks allowed. They're 10th in the Big 12 in opponent digs, so that's kind of their weaker points. That's some place that we can try to target. They like their points long, but they like their games short. Uh, they've played less sets than any team in the Big 12, but they allow a lot of digs. They get a lot of digs. They're very slow. They're very methodical. So when you're looking at your keys to victory, Blake, how do you diagnose this team, and how can Iowa State come away with an upset in Houston? For me, my biggest problem with, with our team is us is. Is when we give them free balls, 
we almost never score off of us giving them free balls. It's almost immediately. So, so like we just we just need to find a way. To, well, I mean uh, that's just the nature of the free ball. It is the nature of the free ball, but I just feel like it's every time. Yeah, so. it, it does happen a seemingly large amount with our team. That and the overpass. Mm-hmm. The overpass seems like it also occurs a lot. Um, yeah, the keys to victory that I have listed for this game, uh, we have to score points in different ways. Houston is talented in a lot of areas. They've got two really, really good hitters, um, one of which is an Iowa native, Kenna Sauer. You should have come to Iowa State. Um it was right up the road. Come on. But, yeah, Iowa State, they need to score points in different ways. Tool blocks, force errors, serve aggressively, whatever. Houston gets a lot of digs, so relying on a heavy attack is not going to be successful because their defense is good. Um, and then you also need to get yourself time to block. You have to force Houston out of system um, and attack at the setter. Because if you want to challenge Houston's hitters, you have to give yourself time to get that triple block set. And I think that that's going to be a way to maybe slow Houston down a little bit to slow their attackers down and take the shoot out of Houston Arsenal, Houston's arsenal. If you attack it at the setter and your libero has to try to get an assist, you're going to have all day to set a block up and you're not, uh, they're not going to be outrunning you. And the same could go, too, for uh, a middle slide. Take that out of the arsenal. Uh, attack the setter. Uh, men's basketball had a win versus Idaho State. Maybe we saw that coming. Uh, oh, everybody saw that coming. Oh, yeah. Uh, Trey, Trey King came out, came out with a game-high 14 points, and he came with some hair. I don't know. It was cool. Mm-hmm. It was pretty cool. Um, but, yeah. He did leave the game with an injury, though, after scoring 14 points. We haven't seen a whole lot of scoring yet from Omaha Baloo, uh, but he has developed more of a presence on the boards. Uh, in his 13 minutes on the court, he did have five boards. So that's that's good movement from Omaha Baloo. Um, hopefully the scoring comes soon, but he is beginning to make those adjustments to the D1 game. Uh, you're not going to get five rebounds in 13 minutes without being physical, and he is adjusting to the physicality well. ISU in this game, uh, when I say ISU, I do not mean Idaho State. I mean Iowa State uh, racked up a whopping 17 steals in this game. Lipsy led the team with four. Uh, Trey King and Bob Jones each had three apiece. This before you know Trey King had to leave with an injury. He very easily could have had more. Um the AP poll gave us 10 votes. That's good stuff. We're starting to get some attention because the last couple of years it took us a while to get any attention. Um, and some of that's just because our offense wasn't flashy the last couple of years, and now it is. So, All right. Next game will be against uh, Grambling State on Sunday, and that will be when all the students are out for break. So we'll have, we'll have more of a general audience for that one. Yep. And then after that, we will be 4-0 and because there is no way we should lose to Grambling State. Uh, women's basketball, they had a loss against Drake last weekend. Um, this one was a little painful. Yeah, def- you know what? You tell them about it. I'll tell them about it. Definitely a horrible first half. Like, like I, I four, didn't... Re- four points in the second quarter. No, I didn't believe what I was watching. 
Um, They did come back with a hopeful second half, massive inconsistencies. You know, it's like, it's one of those deals that's like, well, yeah, you don't almost come back in the second half after scoring only four points in the second quarter. No, exactly. All 40 minutes count. Exactly. But Audie Crooks did lead the way with 23 points. Hannah Bellinger was the only other Cyclone to score in double digits with 11 points. Uh, Crooks did uh, state after the game that mentality played a role in the loss. So I'm what, like, what mentality did she specify? Because if you say that, like, if you just say mentality, you're not saying anything. That is, that's a meaningless term on its own. You have to have an adjective with it. Um, but yeah, not getting any of our other scores, even into double figures. I mean, you, you got to get, you know, not a bow or Kelsey Jones or Jalen Bristow, somebody else involved in the scoring. Yeah, I'm surprised. And I'm surprised Kelsey didn't score as much. You got to find openings to get them going, and if if you're not shooting well, you're not shooting well. But you got to find openings to get your scores going, and they did not do that in that game. Uh, let's go back to good news. Uh, Cyclone wrestling. Ooh, wrestling. Um, for the first time that the new scoring system. Uh, has been used in Hilton Coliseum. This was their second duel on the year. It's the first year that the three-point takedown system has been implemented. And uh, I'm liking what I'm seeing so far because uh, it allowed us to win 50 to nothing. Mm-hmm. The, the whole duel was just tech fall after tech fall. Uh, there, was actually, there was actually six tech falls. And we're going to be seeing a lot more tech falls and a lot more major decisions with the new scoring system because mm-hmm. takedowns are rewarded a lot uh, more and – it incentivizes wrestlers to try to get more takedowns. Yep. Uh, instead of being so cautious about it. Mm-hmm. Every every one of our of our squad was dominant, especially Bro- especially Broderson with a massive pin, forty five seconds into his, his into his match. Yeah, that was very very impressive from uh, Julian Broderson, new father Julian Broderson. Um, and that was that was one of the things that they really liked hyping up. After the uh, duel, a great start for uh, this year for Julian Broderson. And, of course, uh, this game was a homecoming game for two of the Davidson coaches who are ISU alumni, uh, Nate Carr Jr., David's brother, and Marcus Coleman, who graduated last year, uh, All-Americans, ISU alumni, great guys. The crowd loved having them back in the room, even though they were coaching the other team. Uh, I didn't see Nate Carr Sr. in the stands anywhere, but I'm sure he was there and just happy to see everything going on. Mm-hmm. I also got to give a Coach Dresser appreciation who has the best music taste out of anyone in athletics. Why do you say that? Just the classic rock vibe. And okay, there's a lot. Of, I mean, different music kind of goes to different sports. So, like, you think music that goes with basketball, you're going to think hip-hop. Mm-hmm. It's just it's just the vibes better. It just it just sings better with me. Yeah. And then our next duel is going to be Sunday versus Wisconsin and it's going to be at Humboldt High School. It'll be on UFC Fight Best, I believe. So no one's going to be watching it, unfortunately. Other than the people that are there and I bet you tickets for that one are sky high expensive. Mhm. Uh between, you know, you take two top 10 teams and throw them in a high school gym. Yeah. Uh, there is a little bit of conference realignment news this week. 
uh, Oregon State and Washington State are now officially the sole members of the Pac-12 Board of Directors, which means they retain total control of the conference moving forward, and they control the exit fees from the other 10 schools, meaning they stand to make some money out of this and clear up some of the financial issues that we know uh, Wazoo's been having. So that's something that can get fixed. Um, it also means that George Klievkov is now officially out of a job. Um, and then Oregon State and Wazoo also secured a scheduling alliance very quickly after that with the Mountain West Conference. Uh, what this looks like to me is that they're desperately trying to avoid losing a Power 5 status uh, as the Pac-12 dissolves. And it also should delay temporarily talks of Oregon State and Wazoo looking for a new home. Um, the Big 12 was the name that usually got thrown around for that if it wasn't the Mountain West. I really don't think that they want to you know, relegate themselves to the Mountain West. And I, I don't see why the Big 12 should want them. So that should at least be a stopgap for that. Uh, Blake, it's time for some high-speed winds. There's a storm brewing. High-speed winds. Is there a storm brewing? There's a storm brewing. We got time some, for high-speed winds. We got some high-speed winds. We don't got much uh, for the other sports, so we got so we got to mention all the club sports. Uh, Maryville, Maryville club hockey was able to dominate our club hockey squad last week. Uh, they'll be looking to bounce back uh, this weekend. This weekend against Midland, uh, they'll travel to Nebraska for one game and uh, play it play at home the other. Club Rugby was able to take down K-State and Kansas in the conference tournament. I believe they're conference champions now. Uh, they'll advance to uh, nas National Final Four uh, in the spring, I believe. So, Matt, what's your message to Jonah? Tweet out our show. Get other people to listen to it. Come on, Jonah. Um, follow us on Twitter. Follow, follow me on Twitter, BlakeAttack1846. You can find me on Twitter at the Menson Minute. Tap the follow button on Spotify or that plus button on Apple. This is Blake Peterson. I'm Matt Menson. Our producer is Vinny Cataldo, and this has been the Cornfield Sports Pod.